Hi, and welcome to Behind the Takes. We are recording our first episode of season two today, and we're super excited to share with you this season. I am joined with our hosts, Bianca, Emmanuel, and Newton today. Sadly, Chang could not be on this recording, so please send some love to Chang on our social media pages if you have time. They are at Behind the Takes Pod. And remember, your kindness goes a long ways, especially during these times. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the themes that we are going to explore in season two, which talk about exhibitions, uh, cinemas, and distribution, streaming sites, so all that good stuff, kind of what happens after a film is out of production. We're going to talk about film festivals to start with. We'll kind of go into what we think the post-pandemic cinema world is going to look like and kind of what is happening in the U.S. as far as the federal minimum wage changing to $15 an hour and what that means for cinemas in America. To start us off, I kind of want to talk to you all about our favorite film festivals. Um, Did you guys know what film festivals were before you started your majors in film? Yes, actually, I used to be quite close to um, a couple of film festivals in my hometown and in my country of origin. Uh, I just remember like the first time I was very close to that kind of culture of the film festival going every day from screen to screen was in 2011 with uh, Athens International Film Festival. Because I'm not from Athens, for me, it was a very enlightening experience to go in so many movies with such cheap tickets and everything and see so many people like interacting with each other and be so happy and know that some of these people were journalists, critics or uh, creatives that were involved in these movies. So for me, it was a very exciting time that actually made me more interested in going to that kind of academic field. Yeah, for me, um, film festivals are always like a chance to see films like that I don't normally see. Or, you know, like when I was younger and um, we had a world film festival near my local cinema and they had all these movies from all, you know, from many different countries. And it's just like movies that I would never, I would probably never have, you know, sought out until they came around, like, you know, in a film festival. So when I was young, I used to go to these film festivals all the time because, you know, I wanted to see something that wasn't like Transformers. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like just, or, or usually independent films or just, you know, films that you probably never hear of either before or after the film, after film festival is over. Cause like sometimes, you know, no, 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 nobody outside the film festival, like whoever's not interested in the film festival will probably never hear of this film ever again sometimes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Limited release. And I just felt like it's like the, the, the limited time aspect of a film festival is what makes it special to me. Yeah. I think too, like there's like a whole film festival sort of fan club. Like there's always so many people that go to the same film festival every time. So I didn't really know much about film festivals before I started studying film curation. 
I didn't really have them in the town that I grew up in. So when I moved to California, there was some there. So I started to learn about it. And then Glasgow just has so many film festivals. It's insane. And when I was in Glasgow going to the film festivals, it's just such a good way to go and see films, but then also be surrounded by people who are interested in the same sort of themes that they're discussing at the festival. And yeah, it's a good way to meet people. And that's kind of what I like about the my one of my favorite parts about film festivals. The movies are cool. Like I love movies, obviously, but just being surrounded by people who are interested in the same sort of things. Like I went to a feminist film festival and it was fun to go to that and just kind of be surrounded by feminists and talk about things that were on my mind and hear about other people and their experiences. And it was kind of a safe sort of space. And yeah, I didn't know what the film festivals really were, but it's basically just um Sometimes it's just multiple days, sometimes longer, like a week of screenings throughout the day of films. Some are super high quality by well-known filmmakers and they have independent filmmakers who are doing their like debut of directing. And then they also have a lot of Q and A's and there's networking events. And then they also have stars that go. It's a whole event. There's a whole bunch to a film festival that it's not just like you go to the movie, you buy your popcorn, you sit in a theater, and then you leave. You talk about the film with people before and after. And you get to hear about how the film was made. And if there's like a Q&A, then you get to ask questions as well. And I'm just thinking of one time. Uh, Emmanuel, do you have a favorite part of a film festival? <laughs> um. There are many, uh, but I, I want to know what you're going to say. So uh, do you remember when we went to Glasgow Film Festival and we were sitting? <laughs> of course I do. I knew you're going to talk about that. So um, for our listeners, uh, we had these industry pass for our school. And so we were sitting at this inside this hotel um, where the film festival was waiting to pick up our industry passes. and. Uh, this guy walks in, uh, his name is George Mackay, and Emmanuel loses, loses it. It was so funny. <laughs> he was freaking out. He was such a fangirl. He started listing like all the movies because I didn't knew, know who George Mackay was. So I, I wasn't really starstruck as the way Emmanuel was. <laughs> Emmanuel was fangirling so hard he like got up to get water um and he kept staring at him but he would not ask him for a picture even though there was like a place for people to take pictures with people he didn't go on he, he sounded too posh i can't approach people that sound that posh like he sounded like a very rich british guy that knows 30 shakespeare kind of scripts by heart so i don't want to talk to these kinds of people it's just like admiring from a distance is fine i get i get that though i get the whole admiring from a distance thing i feel like i don't know i feel like i'm being rude when i ask to take a picture with someone i admire does that make sense you know what i mean i see i feel the opposite like i will felt awkward because i didn't know who he was and i was like i'm not gonna go ask this guy even though i know he's pretty like big name because emmanuel is freaking (laughs) out right next to me and i was like i wouldn't go ask him because i i literally couldn't name one movie he was in 
Um, so that to me would be so awkward. Like it would be easier for me to go up and be like, oh, I loved you. Like I loved Captain Fantastic, which was one that he was in. And he went to, George Mackay was at the Glasgow Film Festival like two years ago for the true history of the Kelly gang. And we told oh, you one year. One year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, this is what the pandemic does. That's before the pandemic. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Time is warped now. And um, yeah, so I hadn't seen either of those. I did want to see True History of the Kelly Gang, which I watched after, but I didn't even know, like, I didn't even recognize him, you know, not as this Western because he had like a mullet in that movie. So he didn't have a mullet when he was in front of us. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was so funny. And it's so funny because after George Mackay left, Emmanuel was like, he was so posh and he didn't even talk to him at all. Like... (laughs) (laughs) say any words to him. at the same day i um had the honor to meet um imogen poots which is another british actress if people have seen green room she's a nazi there but she's the, the complete uh, opposite yes, yes, yes. in real life she's 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 a great person like she seems like a great person very, very grateful very uh open to talk and Posh to the right degree, the, the one that you just do. <laughs> There's a level of posh that you can be. If you're, if you're yes, too posh, yes. then you're not approachable. So, Wait, so, so you met her where? In a screening, uh, Vivarium. Uh, it was a screening oh, awesome. of Vivarium. So, I guess, so, so, so the main takeaway is basically film festivals is a great place to meet all the people you see on screen. It is. That's one of the great things. And rate them with poshness. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that's just one. That was just like, I assume that was Emmanuel's favorite part of a film festival, um, just because that was maybe the happiest, but also <laughs> the most like stressful. I saw somebody go like, he was so excited to see him. And then he went completely like stressed out. And then he was excited. And then he was <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> it was like a real roller coaster. That's an average 10 minutes in my life. So yeah. That was my favorite uh, part of that film festival, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I thought it was the open bar and the industry focus. Called out. <laughs> the open bar was good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I think that comes close second, maybe a tie. The And I don't even know why you're saying that to me. Emmanuel went a day and he was by himself like a Wednesday night and nobody, nobody was there and he was there taking all the free drinks so <laughs> i was socializing you never turned on free drinks yeah uh i think the worst part about a film festival though is um the networking event i think as a girl at least for a uh, glasgow film festival there was a lot of guys that were not there to network but i did love glasgow film festival they sh- screened so many good films that was just that part of the event and that wasn't for every single networking event and I just stayed away from the guys that were there because they also had a ton of women which were super easy to talk to and there was also students there so they were easier to talk to but then the but the people that you want to have like give your information to that could help you in your career were very difficult to talk to but yeah anything else your favorite part of a film festival your least favorite part of a film festival Bianca, Emmanuel, Newton. I like the Q&As, just because I'm nosy. <laughs> so the thing is, I really like 
what what I really like about um, film festivals is that you are in the same space as other people and you absorb every reaction. Yeah. So it's it's a lot like theater, but the difference is that you can actually express yourself because in theater you're afraid that you're going to stop the performance. So I really like that because in casual in casual viewing of a movie you just you know, sit there in silence. We are, at least in Western societies, there are many other examples of how people are watching movies casually. But what we have learned and what we have been accustomed to is that we sit silently, we absorb a movie, we see that, what we see, and then we keep it in our mind and then we talk about it. But festivals work in a very different way and you experience a movie and your body tells you that you're experiencing a movie and that's delightful you can hear so many other noises other than what happens from the movie you and i think that's priceless and that's a thing that we have a problem now with the online versions of festivals but there are many benefits as well yeah i I didn't go to Document Film Festival in Glasgow, but in our classes, we had like something similar to one of their screenings and they did like the interrupted screening. So they would show you the first part of a film and then you would sit and talk about what you, like what you thought the characters were doing, what you thought was wrong. Cause it was about, I don't know. Do you remember Emmanuel? Of course. Yeah. That was a very intense screening. Yeah. And it was about basically an immigration officer that's like letting people into the country and he's interviewing them to decide if they can come in and like what it would mean. So it's just like a three-part process that the film kind of explores and they stop it halfway like through each part and they make you think about and talk about what you think that process is like and if you think it's fair and what you think the end result is. is. And I really like that part of the of screening a film like I, you kind of get that in film festivals i've never been into a like i've never been to a, like a interrupted screening like you said like what's so wait so they stop stop the movie midway just to talk about it mm-hmm. oh really oh, okay yeah it was uh so they did it in our class kind of how right, they right. in the film festival and so we watched i don't know even know like maybe 45 minutes 30 45 minutes of a film and we were kind of just they led the discussion with questions that we kind of discussed in our own groups and then we discussed as a whole and then they started the film again and then they stopped it again and it was it was a really good way because I think when you also go to a film festival and you don't know that many people and it's a good way to break the ice and just get to know people and where they stand and mostly the people who are at that film festival are you know wanting to either learn more or interested in or passionate about that strand. I don't know if we talked about strands, but a festival strand is basically the festival programmer will put in multiple films that are discussing themes. So a strand is overall like a theme. So you'll have like immigration could be one, human rights could be one, um, civil rights, environmental strands. So those films would all be about the environment or climate change. And so you can kind of go to a festival and pick the strands that you want to see. You don't have to go to see every single one. I do like the I do like the Q and A aspect of a film festival, because sometimes I've been I I, I don't remember 
um, what film it was specifically, but you know, sometimes in a film festival, you get some really like really artsy films, right? Which sometimes it just goes over your head. Like I didn't get it, but because there's a Q and A at the end, you know, you're just sitting there and you're hoping someone else will ask, you know, what was that about? <laughs> so you don't feel like the dumbest person in the room. I don't know if you guys can relate, but like, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the cinema, right? So like sometimes there's been times where I've, I've just completely missed the point of a film and I do want to know more about it. Like, you know, well, why didn't I get this? You know, was I the only one that didn't get this? So, you know, just, I like that I have to wait and at, wait, wait for someone else to ask questions because I'd never ask a question myself. I'm too shy, but, you know, but, 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 you know, there, there's that level of audience participation, I think, that I really like from film festivals that you don't get in a normal film, right? Film screening, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's, it's nice to know that you aren't the only one that was confused. You know what I mean? So I guess that, yeah, that's a great, that's a great element of film festivals. Yeah. And kind of talking about that audience participation, you know, we've kind of lost that now because of the pandemic and a lot of film festivals have either had to cancel or they've moved online. But I wanted to see like, what do you guys think? How has the pandemic affected film festivals? And what do you think like post pandemic, how will film festivals be in cinemas as well? I feel like people are going to be really excited to see each other. I think film festivals are going to be even more popular than they are now because people want to be interacting <laughs> since some of us have been in lockdown since like March. I definitely agree with that. Uh, but the thing that we need not to ignore is that many festivals have very successful runs on, online. They have played with their strengths at this point because some of them get, try to get films from all over the world, try to approach audiences from all over the world, uh, which became very easier and cheaper and more environmentally sustainable during the online presence. And they actually could get the people to sign in. The problem is with that is the IP, the whole copyright issue. Mm -hmm because some people demand, because they have the rights. It's not a matter of people being able to watch something or not. It's about people want to make the maximum amount of money out of the rights they hold. So sometimes there is that kind of term called geoblocking, which is that, for example, a festival has the rights to screen in Scotland because it's a Scottish festival but someone from Iceland, for example, can't access the same link, even if normally they could, as with Facebook, as with anything, because some people have the rights to that country, so they don't want to lose money out of it. So I think as long as festivals can go through these processes and keep the maximum amount of access, I think they're thriving in online environments. Obviously, you don't have the people around you and the screening conditions can't be limiting. Like you see things from your laptop, it can be boring. You can't be bothered to click on the link. You think you, you shouldn't pay that much money for something that you watch on your laptop. But all this access to material that 
is so profound and you have so many people talking like the creatives and i think i think there's so much to earn from it as well for example i there was a film festival the other month i think the final girl the berlin horror feminist film festival mm. which i couldn't watch uh, normally under normal circumstances but they made it all visual so their uh, packs were available in my region as well and i could watch just the parts just some parts some strands as you said from what they screened and it was very interesting because otherwise i wouldn't have watched so many short films by exclusively known cis male creatives so it's good to have like that global reach and i think people will adapt to it even post pandemic i think there're going to be many hybrid events yeah i was going to ask do you think that there will be like yeah hybrid events in the future you think that will be part of the festival from now on maybe they'll do like live streaming um offer live streaming yeah that's what i was going to say is that even liz talked about how you know this has taught her that you know it could be successful online and that she'll eventually in the future do some kind of streaming or provide that because it's more accessible to some people. Mhm. And it's a lot of money for the festival too to pay for normally a festival pay for the artists like pay for their travel or their accommodation where if they were just staying in their own country and doing like a Zoom call like a live Zoom call or something for a Q&A that saves the festival tons of money for that and it's pr- it's pretty close to the same experience. What do you think new and do you think film festivals will be operate similarly post pandemic or you think that I think um moving online and you know when 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 film festivals move online and seeing that it works I feel like once the pandemic is over whenever that may be right that means that I think film festivals can do can simultaneously do like an in venue event as well as an online event cuz cuz if online works then you know doesn't mean that to stop doing it right Mhm. So and and I think that 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 I mean I, I don't know the technicalities behind it but I feel like if they can do both like actually going to the cinema to see to attend the film festival or to watch it remotely I think it would be great because I think making film festivals as accessible as possible is important. Mhm. Yeah, maybe it's discounted or something if you view it online. So if you can't afford to go yeah. in person then you can still like you could afford to see some films online at your own home. Yeah, so I I think that you know I I'd like to think that that's what would happen after the whole pandemic thing is over and things go back to whatever they were before, you know. I I I think it's just important to get people interested in f- festivals in general because I think there's a lot of general perception that festivals are kind of like this, you know, inaccessible elite circle of people you have to be invited to, but for the most part not really, you know. I mean, you could just if you seek it out and you can attend the festivals you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i love so like there's so much hype too when like the film program comes out for a film festival so you get to see all that's coming out i just remember being in class and like when the glasgow film festival came out with their program like everybody was like oh my gosh what what one are you going on and we did so much planning and i like love that part of a festival too just the hype right before a festival is about to release so you get to see who's going to be showing up and what films are going to be screened And 
I think that is even more like because of the pandemic and it's moved online. I think that happens even more because like word of mouth travels fast, but so does like online, like sharing things online. And I think that's like something that the pandemic kind of showed. I think that I would be um, concerned about is what's happening after the pandemic is about the public funds that festival will receive. Because if they prove that they can operate with a fraction of the of original budget, they might the governments might not give them enough money to work in theaters. Mm-hmm. So that that's a thing to consider because festivals work with public money a lot, right. especially in Europe. Yeah. So that's going to be dangerous if if they sit the wrong way. If they say I'm going to cut things, I'm going to cut money from culture because you can host festivals online exclusively and that's it yeah and with brexit in the uk how there's already been so much funds that have been taken away hopefully like most likely they'll be reinstated just in a different way but that is going to take time so not only did the pandemic kind of (laughs) probably take away public funds because they can move online but like brexit on top of that has made it even harder to get money to start a festival and film festivals don't typically make that much money like they do rely on a lot of free labor from volunteers <laughs> i don't think that you should be taking away money when something is like it's so much manpower to put something online because festivals had to create websites and figure out the like geo blocking and how they're going to screen things online and they did cut costs from like having to pay for a cinema, but they also created new costs with putting it online. So, you know, it's not, it's not like those costs went away. <laughs> they were just like moved to something else. Well, definitely. It's just because it's uh, information labor, it's invisible for some sector sectors. They just say, if you're not lifting weights, you're, you're, labor is not significant so that's it and i think post pandemic i think that there is like more of an opportunity for like cinemas and i don't i don't know what you would really call it but like the civic house places where films are screened like exhibition sites i think that there'll be more partnerships between film festivals and those exhibition sites like such as cinemas because Cinemas, I think, are hurting real bad. I don't think I know they are. You can just Google it and find so many cinemas. Cineworld lost like billion dollars and had to close like over a hundred of their or like all of their facilities. So all those people are laid off and who knows like when they'll be able to have people in the cinema at this point. And they've already lost just so much money. So I think that cinemas, because it's, If you try to book a film festival at a cinema, the Glasgow Film Festival can do it because the owner, the film festival director, Alison Gardner, runs the film theater too that they screen all of it. So they kind of like work in that way. But if you're like doing your own thing and try to book at a cinema, it's super expensive. So hopefully they would lower their costs because they would want people to come into the cinema. So that's kind of what I am thinking that there'll be more partnerships between film festivals and cinemas. Yeah. Another thing about what you said about the more multi-purpose 
kind of screening sites. I think people have been accustomed to not to watch a, a film, not in the most professional kind of um, environment, like at home and their laptops. They, they appreciate the content more than, you know, the facilities. And that was a big problem with um, smaller festivals, which couldn't afford to book uh, movie theaters, that people wouldn't tolerate smaller screens or not the mo the comfiest chairs. Now we've been like more or less for a year, uh, rarely been to the movies. So I think we're gonna be excited just to go and watch something with other people. Mm -hmm. Kind of getting into the U.S. politics is that um, federal minimum wage there, the U.S. is trying to make $15 an hour. And there has been a lot of pushback and criticism from cinemas because they can't really afford to pay their employees $15 an hour. And, and if they do, then they're going to have to eventually start raising ticket prices, which are already pretty expensive. So they basically are pushing back for the $15 an hour, which is a bit crazy since that's kind of like <laughs> how much it costs to live. <laughs> I hope that the ticket prices stay low and hopefully with film festivals and possibly like new partnerships between film festivals and cinemas and maybe even production studios that the cost can stay low. What do you guys think about, you know, cinemas not paying their employees $15 an hour and kind of not standing up for workers' rights? I think it's, it's a problem. Like, it's easy to say they should pay them what they need to actually live in the region they are. That's the, obviously that goes without saying. But I think we're talking about a non-that-sustainable model of economic growth that would, I, think, I think they can't make the money, regardless of how much they pay these people. Like, even if they keep them to starve, um, I think they, they can't make the money they want um, at this point. So I think it's just... A coping mechanism to see how they're gonna try to stay afloat uh, but I don't I think it's a distraction I don't think it's about the people that are working there I don't think it's about the $15 per hour I think uh, their system is breaking and I, I don't know how they can navigate it yeah because even before the pandemic they were already struggling because of streaming sites like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu. So yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Like it's just a distraction, like the $15 an hour. It's not even that really, it's they were already struggling. And now because of the pandemic, they're struggling even more. And I think it's interesting because I was seeing that some companies like production studios were trying to buy cinemas, which is so crazy that we've kind of gone backwards in time because <laughs> that used to be legal. Like the production studios used to own like everything, the distribution, the exhibition centers, and then the production studio. 
and they controlled everything that was being made to what was being shown and where it was able to be shown. And now like there was a law because that's a monopoly. <laughs> but now production studios have all this money and they can buy the cinemas. And it's kind of interesting to see like what will happen with that. You can see it already happening though because of the streaming services that nearly any major studio is announcing their own streaming service. Mm -hmm. So that's a very immediate way to say, that's my exhibition, that's my theater, but it's at your place. It's on, in your laptop, in your TV. Mm -hmm. But it's basically that kind of thought that from the money that we put, we are as the studio and we're also the site that you're going to watch it. So mm -hmm. there's no other interference. It's crazy because like cinema, I don't know if you guys ever heard of like cinema of attractions. It's not just like watching the movie, you know, alone, like the cinema is supposed to be like a cultural community center where everybody comes together and hangs out basically. <laughs> and so I think like that's one of the things that I don't like about streaming sites is everybody's watching what they want to watch like by themselves and you just don't have those conversations that you normally would if you went to, I wouldn't even say the cinema anymore. It's really like you have these conversations when you go to a film festival because, because they have the networking events, because they have the Q and A's and industry events. And they have people who are part of the production, like pre-production, post-production. So you get to learn so much about the film and in general filmmaking and like behind the scenes. So that's kind of why I really wanted to do the podcast too, is because we all love talking about film. I love talking about film with you guys. And yeah, that I feel like I just wasn't getting that in my life with, especially because of the pandemic, because we've all been so isolated. There has been film festivals, but that I've gone to online, but um, it's not like <laughs> the same. I guess, because I don't see those people regularly. So that's why I like kind of a cinema or a place that you can go to where you're, you see the people that you live around. Like it's typically like local people that are going to these <laughs> and definitely people who are going to the cinema all live around that cinema. I know this is like Newton and Bianca don't have as much <laughs> uh, maybe experience with film festivals. So hopefully you guys, do you guys have any questions about film festivals that you kind of want to learn or like exhibition and distribution um, in season two? Or maybe you can ask us. We're pretty much experts, Emmanuel and I. <laughs> no. I'm not an expert in any aspect of my life, so. What's a film festival that you guys would like to go to at some point in your lifetime? Some of us wanted to go to Sundance. See, that seems so posh to me. Like, it seems too, like, I don't know. Actually, I'm, I'm curious about that. Like, could, could anyone from the general public go to Sundance is my question. I think it's pretty expensive and some of it's invite only. Ah, okay. So there we go. Yeah, because I was um, going back to what I said, like, before. Like, there was that perception of film festivals being this exclusive invite only thing, right? Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay yeah I think that's that sucks if it's invite only I feel like that's like the opposite that's like not the reason 
yeah. the opposite reason of why people would make movies, you know? So that not like showing it to a limited number of people just doesn't make sense to me, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing about that, Newton, is that there are two big uh, types of festivals. Yeah. Which some of them are for the next part, the distribution, the afterlife of the movie. Mm. And they, they are focused on that. So they are screened to critics, to sales agents, and to other people in distribution companies or theater complexes so they can make their choice. And these festivals get lots of attention because there's so much money there and so much excess. But the biggest, um, I would say the one of the biggest festivals that are audience oriented, which means people, they are designed for people to go watch the films, but they uh, premiere very big films that can go to the award seasons and everything would be the Toronto Film Festival. I see, mm-hmm. I see. There is like an African film festival um, that my teacher Lizelle was talking about that she went to. And she just talked about the experience of going to one because it's very different than like Western viewing experiences where you go in and you sit and you're quiet. The this festival that she went to is like much more like a party and people are talking through the screening. They're like eating and they're like discussing the film while it's going. And I think that that would be way more fun <laughs> because it's completely different and it just seemed so much more laid back and more kind of like what you're saying, how you feel like only certain types of people like are like elite groups of people can go to a film festival where this is the complete opposite. They've made it so anybody can go and feel like at home. And I think that is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I'd have to email like Lizelle on what film festival it was that she said, but kind of that sort of film festival is one that I want to go to in the future because it's very different from ones that I've already been to. Bianca, do you have like a a film festival that you want to go to in the future? Maybe attend with one of your films? No, I'm just not that knowledgeable around them. I know there's like so many. There's like hundreds and hundreds of film festivals. I'm just, I'm sure there's one that, (laughs) you know, is my cup of tea. I just haven't found her yet. So I'll let you know when that happens. Whichever whichever festival Bianca's film is screening in, I'll go to that one. That's the one I want to go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish you didn't have to, like, pay. Some of them are so expensive to yeah. submit to. So that's yeah. what's really unfortunate. Some of them do, like, like uh, discounted, but it's mainly for, like, students. Yeah, I think that... It's kind of ridiculous that you have some of the prices that you have to pay as a filmmaker to some just to submit your film like to it. You don't even know if it will be screened there. So it's kind of like a marketing thing for you that you're investing in. But it really limits like where your film can be seen and screened at because if you can only submit to like one or two festivals, then like you can only afford to submit to one or two festivals, then then your film can only be screened at those two. And that's not like, the point of a film I feel like is to share it with people. It's yeah. supposed to like, I mean, 
Yeah, it's not supposed to be limited to just a certain amount of people. It should be speaking to and like being shown to people all around the world. <laughs> There's also the other problem of uh, some festivals just want premieres. So if you submit your film in 30 different festivals, if you have the budget to do that or if they're cheap enough, some festivals might uh, cancel each other because you might be accepted by 10, but half of them might say, we don't want your film if it's shown before. So it defeats the purpose sometimes. That's crazy. But to answer to the previous question, um, so the plan is, either Ashley or me or both to become programmers in Venice. We get Bianca's film to screen there for free. We give her like 40 tickets to bring everyone and we do a reunion of the, um, of the podcast in Venice. In Venice. That's the most important part. In Venice. It has to be in Venice. <clears throat> uh, not necessarily, but the thing is, <laughs> yeah, Venice is nice. I would love to go to Venice. This is a great goal. So this is maybe our five, five or 10 year gold goal. Yeah. And we, and we watch it on a gondola. Yes. There's no other way. Yeah. It's like a 40 experience. <laughs> so yeah, expect that uh, from our podcast. We're going to grow into a film festival in Venice. We'll travel. We'll go to Greece, the US, Thailand. <laughs> the UK. I think traveling film festivals are so cool. They have, that's what I wrote my dissertation on Voices from the Waters International Traveling Film Festival in India. And I just think like, it's so cool that they start in Bangalore and then go up north. And it just creates such a collective community because they screen all these films and it's about, um, a lot of it is focused on water and water scarcity and water laws in India because a lot of like the Coca-Cola company uh, made dams and it severely affected how water gets to people in India. And so they were boycotting it and trying to basically make water not private. And that's kind of how the film festival started and it's basically been super successful and created a really big community, especially made up of students who have time and who are passionate about politics to come together and stay up to date on water laws. So uh, yeah, I love a traveling film festival. They're super effective. I think that's the beauty of film festivals is the whole awareness of it, that a lot of them are made because there just is no representation of many things you know you see like feminist film festivals you see mental health film festivals like i mean it's a whole there's so many <laughs> and mm -hmm. yeah i think that's you know yeah bringing awareness to multiple communities and saying like hey this is what's happening water scarcity or you know this is Connecting them on an issue that they're all being oppressed by pretty much, or they can all relate to because they're all suffering from it. And educating those who have are not affected by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are the best kind of festivals to me. The ones that kind of aim to create change, like not only like in the community, but in the government too. Um, but yeah, we're excited to have uh, season two come out, I think. We have a few guests already lined up. 
Bianca kind of mentioned Liz, who is the film festival director of Africa in Motion. So we'll kind of go into Africa in Motion and what a film festival director does and how she handled, they put their film festival online during the pandemic, which was a very, it was a good call. It was a hard call. And so she kind of, Liz will talk about what her experience was because that was her first time um, being a festival director for her for Africa Emotion and kind of her plans post pandemic. And then we're not Carmen on. And then we have some other guests, which we will be releasing shortly. And yeah, I think now it is time for the impossible quiz. Are you guys ready? Can you repeat the question? I don't want to play the quiz because Chang is not here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, she really led you guys. She's like, she's the one that's won it all, hasn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she's too good to be here now for the quiz. She's left us. <laughs> she to... shows up. Yeah. She shows up <laughs> just for the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I think she would have been so good at this quiz because she's volunteered with so many film festivals. So you guys got to win it for her. This is for Chang. This, this, this is for Jane. <laughs> All right. Question one. This one is kind of long. How many film festivals does Glasgow, Scotland hold annually? And can you name at least five of them? We don't get an option for the first part of the question. Okay. For the number okay, A, five, B, seven, C, eight, or D, at least 10. Seven. That is incorrect. But you can get half a point if you can name seven. I, I, I cannot name seven. I cannot name seven. Did they jump in or it's not allowed? I, I got to phone a friend, man. I got to phone Emmanuel right now. <laughs> All right. We can move on, you guys. You did not get this one. You and uh, Thanks for playing. Thanks for trying. Um, I object. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Which is not a festival strand for Africa Emotions 2020 Film Festival program? A, Diaspora, B, Industry, C, Sisters, D, Queer Africa, or E, Women in Focus? Hmm. I th I'm gonna say Sisters. Wow, Bianca, that is correct. It was actually uh, that that strand was called Mamas. Great job, Bianca. So final question. Here we go. If you lose, then it's a tie. If you get it right, then congratulations. What year was the Scottish Queer International Film Festival uh, began running annually? A, 2003, B, 2004, C, 2013, or D, 2015? I'm between C or D, uh, but I need to make a choice. I volunteered in 2016, but I don't think it was the second edition then. So 15 or 13. I don't remember if it was the second edition then. Um, I'll say 15 just for the sake of it. Wow, congratulations. Wow. You guys have got it right. <laughs> Thank you, Newton. <laughs> all good, all good, guys. Yeah, all good. 
Yeah, Squiff started running annually in 2015. So I don't think that was their second film festival, Emmanuel, but I thought- Yeah, the annual, started. yeah. That's the impossible quiz. This is the end of Behind the Takes podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Newton Emmanuel and Bianca Chang for being here in spirit. I'm really excited for season two. So yeah, tune in next week to listen to our next episode where we are going to be talking about more about film festivals, distribution and exhibitions. And yeah, if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our social media account username is at Behind the Takes Pod and look for us on YouTube. We're going to start uploading all of our podcasts to YouTube so you can watch online as well. Thank you and talk to you all next week.